Welcome back everyone to the Practicology Podcast. This is episode 98 and it's called Wrestling for Blessing. Back in episode 94, we started a study on Jacob and it was a study designed to recalibrate our mindset or our understanding on blessing. My friend Jeswin uh, led us into that study and he's back with us on the show today to take us to the next stage here. One of the key big takeaways I took from the first episode was that the foundation of blessing is God's grace. It's not our earning his blessing. And that's a big point. And then the other big takeaway for me was that the heart of blessing or the, the very supreme greatest blessing is God's presence. Well, Jesuit, it's great to have you back on for the second part. I understand you're going to be back in the life of Jacob today. So can you just take it from there? Yeah, Mike, it's great to be with you again. Uh, I enjoyed our last podcast together and um, I'm excited to share with you again uh, another episode in the life of Jacob. And today we're going to look at a fascinating episode in Jacob's life in Genesis 32. Now, just taking a step back, when it comes to blessing, we tend to have a narrow view that centers around our personal well-being. And you know, it's true that blessing includes things like good health and children, financial security, and a good reputation. But what we discover in the life of Jacob is that blessing is bigger than these things. Blessing involves God's work in us to make us channels of His redemptive blessing to the world. And I have an illustration that I hope will drive this point home. Last November, my wife and I went to a concert hosted by the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra. And the concert featured a barrel-chested Russian pianist named Yefin Bromfin. He's built more like a piano mover than a piano player, and his nickname was awesome. It was Bromfin the Brontosaur, and he could pound out Beethoven on the piano like no one else. And as I reflected on his masterful performance, I wondered, what if one of those piano keys that he played with was sticky? You know those impossibly frustrating keys that you push down and they just stay down without bouncing back up? A sticky key like that would have taken away from the beauty of the performance, and it takes both a masterful pianist and a responsive piano to create beautiful music. In the Symphony of Redemption, God is a concert pianist, and remarkably, he chooses us to be the keys of the piano, and through us, he's creating the beautiful music of redemption. In order for us to participate in God's work of redemption, God has to take the stickiness out of our lives and make us responsive keys, and Jacob's a prime example of a sticky key. He's a self-willed man who tries to achieve blessing in his own way. And the story of Jacob is about God's work to make this man a responsive key in the song of redemption. Genesis 32 is a high point in God's work of sanctification in Jacob. Well, uh, Jasmine, this episode is off to a great start. You started with Bronfman, the Brontosaur, and now we're over to Jacob, who also has a very interesting name. I think you maybe mentioned last episode that the name Jacob means heel grabber. And uh, this is a result of the way he was born. He was born holding on to his brother's heel. Yeah, that's that's right, Mike. And that's very significant. And it comes back to my title for this podcast, Wrestling for Blessing, because Jacob's wrestling um, that began in the womb was actually a metaphor for his relationship with, with everyone, um, but in particular with Esau. You know, Jacob knew that God had chosen him for blessing, but even though he knew that God had chosen him, Jacob thought he had to wrestle and to get blessing on his own steam. So Jacob metaphorically wrestles with Esau by scheming and cheating him out of the birthright and blessing. He thought he had it. He thought he was able to do it on his own. But as we come to Genesis 32, we are reminded that Jacob's wrestling has not been altogether successful. 
Jacob provoked Esau's wrath through his deception, and so he had to flee for his life. And so now, as he returns home 20 years later, Jacob learns that his brother is coming to meet him with 400 men. Once more, Esau stands in the way of blessing as Jacob fears for his life and the lives of his wives and children. And so once more, Jacob is found in a situation where he feels that he has to wrestle for control of the situation. He's wrestling again with Esau for blessing. And so what Jacob does first is he divides his camp into two so that one camp can run if the other half is attacked. And then he also tries to bribe his brother by sending waves of cattle as presents. But in the midst of these wrestlings of Jacob, he does something new. In between Jacob's two schemes, Jacob prays. And this is the first prayer recorded from Jacob since his vow at Bethel 20 years earlier. Jacob's prayer is full of pathos as he cries out to God to deliver him from Esau. And that very night, as Jacob is alone beside the Jabbok River, God answers his prayer in an unexpected way. God wrestles with Jacob and blesses him. And so I'd like for us to consider four unexpected answers to Jacob's prayer in this wrestling match and discover God's blessing through wrestling. Well, Jasmine, I'm glad you're taking us to this passage uh, where God and Jacob wrestle together. This is a very intriguing passage, and it's full of mystery. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to, to, to work through these unexpected things that happen there. So what's the first uh, unexpected answer God gives to Jacob's prayer? The first unexpected answer is an unexpected struggle. Jacob is, is alone by himself, um, and he's anticipating the morning. And all of a sudden, this stranger grabs a hold of him. And Jacob doesn't know the identity of who the stranger is. We know uh, the reader as, re- as the reader that it is God. But who do you think, Mike, would be the first person who came to Jacob's mind as, as grabbing him in the dark? Well, you reminded us that he had Esau on his mind, right? All these preparations were to, to avoid trouble with Esau. So uh, maybe the first thing that he thought was, oh, no, Esau yeah, stopped me. I, that's the, the first thing I would think Jacob would have thought um, would be in his, have been his opponent. And so Jacob starts wrestling. But we as a reader know that it's not Esau, but it's God. And so the question uh, for us is, that why would God appear in the guise of Esau? Why would it? God make it seem as if he's Esau um, and come to wrestle with Jacob in this moment. I believe that in this moment, God is teaching Jacob a lesson. He's teaching Jacob that all the obstacles, the blessing that he had faced up to that point in life, um, things such as his father's favoritism, his brother's birthright, his uncle's schemes, all these things that seemed as barriers to blessing were in fact God's wrestlings with Jacob to to prepare him for blessing. They were the opposite. They were God's providences, God's preparations of Jacob for blessing. And so what Jacob thinks is an enemy trying to harm him is, in fact, God working to bless him. And I I thought of William Cowper's hymn, um, and he says, Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. And behind the frowning providence of God's wrestling was the smiling face of God. God wrestled Jacob to subdue his self-willed nature and prepare him to receive blessing the right way, that is through prayer and faith. And so in this, we find our first practical lesson on blessing. And that is that the trials of life are God's wrestlings for blessing. Through trials, God wrestles with our self-willed nature and teaches us to depend on him. 
And God allows trials so that we will learn to seek his face instead of relying on our own natural abilities to deal with our problems. Well, thank you for that, Jeswin. Um, honestly, I think we could stop the episode right there because this is so helpful. So often, it's, it's in the moments when we feel that God isn't blessing us because life is so rough. Um, what you're drawing out from the story of Jacob is that actually those are the times when maybe God is working most actively to bless us. And, and I think this perspective is strengthened when we turn to the New Testament. I mean, the Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he must have shocked everyone listening to him when he said, blessed are you when, when what? When others revile you and persecute you. And then James tells us in chapter one, you know, to count it all joy when we encounter various trials. Uh, why? Well, as you're saying, because because even though it doesn't seem like it, these it's in these circumstances that God is really blessing us. I appreciate those th- those thoughts, Mike. And um, moving on to the next uh, unexpected thing, I, the the next unexpected thing that we see in this passage is an unexpected touch. Although Jacob initially may have thought his assailant was Esau, I think he would have soon realized that this stranger wrestling with him may very well be the Lord Himself. You see, when you're close to someone, that close to someone, you don't just uh, feel them, but you smell them. And Esau, we know, as, as Isaac said, smells like the earth. But this sm- stranger smelled different. Uh, I would uh, say he smelled like heaven. And, uh, and so Jacob approaches the situation realizing that, you know what, maybe this is God. Maybe God has come to me. And maybe God is, is going to bless me. And so what does Jacob do? Jacob approaches God for blessing in the same way that he approached everyone else. He tries to wrestle away from blessing from, from God. He tries to overpower God for blessing and, and get blessing on his own steam again from the Lord. In attempting to overpower God, Jacob is holding on for, to God for blessing, but trying to hold on to himself at the same time. In other words, he's saying, Lord, bless me according to my vision of blessing. And again, this is profound because this is exactly how we approach God to blessing. We say, Lord, bless me, but we really mean, Lord, give me what I already have in mind for myself. We've already made up our mind, and so we come to God, not with an open mind looking for what God has for in store for us, but with a mind to take what we already want from the Lord. But God's blessing doesn't work that way. We can't hold on to self and hold on to God at the same time. And Jacob finds that out through an unexpected touch. Up to this point, God has wrestled Jacob without hurting him. He gave time for Jacob to recognize that blessing comes through yielding to God. But Jacob will not yield. And so at daybreak, God brings Jacob to a crisis moment by touching and dislocating his hip. And with this touch is a request, let me go for the daybreak. I want you to picture this scene in your mind. All night, Jacob is standing on his own two feet. His arms are grappling his, his opponent, and he's in the, is a position of strength. But now at daybreak, with a dislocated hip, Jacob can no longer stand. He's kneeling, and his hands are outstretched, and he's holding on to God. What is this posture, new posture that Jacob has, Mike, that you envision in your mind? Well, it's a, it's a posture of weakness, and it's a posture of dependence, I guess, of... Uh... Of leaning on the Lord. That's right. It's he's in a posture of prayer, on his knees with hands outstretched. And forced to his knees, Jacob has a choice. He can let go, since he can't gain blessing on his own terms, or he can seek blessing on God's terms by surrendering his will to God. 
And Jacob responds with faith in the crisis. He lets go of self-reliance and he yields to God saying, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Hosea 12 says that Jacob wept and pleaded for a blessing. And by holding on for blessing and weakness, Jacob is saying, Lord, I surrender my vision of blessing to you. I trust your vision of blessing and will not let you go until you give me your blessing. And in this place of surrender and faith, Jacob is finally ready to receive God's blessing. I want to point out to you that God doesn't wrestle Jacob to squelch his tenacity and make him a passive recipient of blessing. God values and encourages Jacob's wrestling and passionate desire for blessing. But in his touch, God is redirecting Jacob's tenacity. He's teaching Jacob to pray the right way, that is to yield his will to God and to hold on with all his strength in faith. Yeah, that's helpful, Jess, when uh, God wasn't saying to Jacob, you know, uh, let go and let God. Uh, That's how some people have characterized the Christian life. You just let go and let God do it all. Um, And there is some truth to that in that we we do need to live the Christian life fully dependent on the Lord and on His Spirit. But it's not a passively doing nothing. Uh, I've heard someone put it like this. It's it's an act of doing nothing. I'm actively doing nothing. I'm actively resting. I'm, I'm actively waiting. Or in the case of Jacob, uh, it's a wrestling surrender, a, a grabbing hold of God. Not let go and let God, but, but let go and get God, yeah. maybe. And it's a, it is quite the paradox, isn't it? It's a, I like how you put it, an active waiting. And so we come now to the third unexpected encounter that Jacob has here. And the third thing here is an unexpected question. And in this question, we have the blessing. The blessing that Jacob wanted was victory over Esau. That's what he prayed for. And really, that's what he pursued his whole life. Right from the beginning of his life, it was always Esau. I must get over Esau, overcome Esau to be blessed. But the blessing that God has in mind for Jacob is different from overcoming Esau. God asks Jacob an unexpected question. He says, what is your name? And this is a startling question for Jacob because he's been asked this question before. And Michael, I'll test you again. Where has Jacob had this question asked him before? Well, is it when he's uh, outside his dad's tent and he's pretending to be Esau so that he can get the blessing. That's that's exactly right. And it's, it's a remarkable replay of the scene because in that scene, Jacob began by asking his father for blessing. And his father asked, responded by saying, what is your name? And now Jacob is asking God for blessing. And God responds by saying, what is your name? Or who are you? And in this moment, God is bringing Jacob face to face with himself. God is teaching Jacob that the biggest obstacle to blessing was never Esau. It was always Jacob. In order to be blessed, Jacob needed to overcome his own sin and self-reliance. The path to blessing is through repentance. And God's question, what is thy name, is in fact a call to repentance. God is pointing Jacob back to that moment in which instead of being honest before his father, he lied and cheated and schemed to obtain the blessing. And God is bringing them to that place to say, Jacob, you need to repent of that sin. Because in repentance, in surrender, in weakness, in acknowledging that you're unworthy of blessing, that's where you find my blessing. And now Jacob finally comes to that place. He surrendered physically, but now he surrenders inside, which is where God was leading him to. And Jacob 
responds with honesty. He doesn't say, I'm Esau. He doesn't scheme for blessing. He says, I am Jacob. I'm the cheater. I'm the deceiver. I'm the liar. And I am unworthy of your blessing. And in Jacob's confession, he recognized that he deserves judgment for blessing, for, for his sin. And so if he is going to be blessed, it must come through the grace of God. Well, I love that connection you just brought out there, Jasmine. I don't think I've ever noticed that before. But in, in doing this, God shows such skill and wisdom. He, he knows, I mean, it's similar, I guess, to the question he asked Adam and Eve in the garden. He knows how to ask the right questions. He knows how to bring about the right circumstances to, to lead us to, to repentance. So you started with an unexpected struggle. Then you went to an unexpected touch. Just now, an unexpected question. And uh, fourthly, an unexpected what? An unexpected blessing. And that's the climax. That's what it all leads to, the blessing. What Jacob had sought his whole life, now God has given it to him. God responds with grace in this moment. Instead of judgment, he, he gives grace and he blesses Jacob. Notice that the blessing is not a promise of deliverance from Esau, as Jacob initially prayed for and pursued. The blessing is a new name, the name Israel. And this new name has a threefold significance. It presents a new identity for Jacob, a new calling, and a new walk. First, we see in this new name uh, a new identity. Jesus said uh, in John chapter 2 that a true Israelite is one in whom there is no guile. And that's amazing because the name, uh, the word Jacob actually means guile. And so when Jesus said to Nathaniel there in John 2, uh, uh, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. He was saying, there, here's an Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. And so the name Israel, the identity behind the name Israel is the complete opposite of the identity behind the name Jacob. It is a name that is marked by integrity instead of guile and deceit. The name Israel also speaks to Jacob's new posture of dependence upon the Lord. Israel means he strives with God. And it's a reminder that Jacob prevailed with God by striving in prayer and holding on to faith. Thus, Jacob, the self-reliant deceiver, is replaced with Israel, the God-dependent man of integrity. Secondly, we see in this name, um, Israel, a new calling. The name Israel is not only Jacob's new name, but it's the name of the nation of which he's the father. And out of this nation of Israel will come the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and the fulfillment of blessing, the blessing of Abraham to all the nations. And so in the name Jacob, in the, in the new name of Israel, Jacob the blessing stealer has a new calling as Israel, the blessing giver. He's called to direct his children toward the blessing of Abraham. And we have a calling, his new identity and his new calling as the one who will bring about the blessing of Abraham, ultimately through Jesus Christ. Finally, we have in this new name, uh, a new walk. The, the name Israel ends with the words E-L, or El, which is God's name. And Jacob's new name is now marked by the presence of God. And in order for God's presence to become a reality in Jacob's life, God had to touch Jacob. Jacob walks with a limp. And Jacob's limp is a permanent reminder that as Israel, he is to walk in dependence upon the Lord who is with him. His name is not about himself. It is about the Lord, and he is walking in dependence upon the Lord. Well, Jeswin, you've brought us through a lot here from Jacob, and we've learned a lot about blessing. 
And just stepping back now, because after all, this is the Practicology Podcast, um, just stepping back and reflecting on all this, what are a couple, maybe, practical ways in which listeners today can pursue God's blessing for their lives? Number one is meditate on the promises of God. Whether we realize it or not, we're continually pursuing blessing in life. But instead of pursuing the blessings God has in mind for us, we easily get distracted and pursue the cravings of our flesh and the distractions of the world. And Jacob's blessings begin with God's promises at Bethel. This is where God focuses his attention towards his blessing. But when Jacob returns back to the land of Canaan, he gets distracted from these promises and goes to Shechem instead of Bethel. And he, and, uh, he, runs in, he gets into trouble there. And God has to bring him back to Bethel, bring him back to the place of blessing and the place of God's promises. And so we can get distracted and uh, caught up in, in things that are not God's blessing. And, and so when we meditate on the promises of God, we are reminded of what the blessings God has in store for us. And we can be focused in what God has in mind for us and instead of what we can naturally easily get distracted with. So meditating on the promises of God is a great way to start pursuing blessing in our lives. The other thing I have in mind is to bring your burdens to the Lord. I thought this is quite fascinating in the, in the life of Jacob um, because Jacob, when he is facing this very difficult situation of meeting Esau, he says, Lord, deliver me from Esau. It's a very pointed and, and practical prayer that deals with his immediate circumstances. But out of that out of that prayer, God is able to bless Jacob with something far greater than deliverance from Esau. But all it took was Jacob to not scheme, but just bring that very simple and practical problem before the Lord. And so our pursuit of blessing isn't necessarily about having these high-minded prayers and trying to figure out, like, what does God have in mind for me? It's as simple as down to earth as saying, Lord, I have this problem. I have this struggle, I have this obstacle that's right in front of me, and I need your help. And when we come before the Lord with our practical, down-to-earth problems, it's an avenue that God can use to bless us in greater and bigger ways than, than we would have ever imagined. And so blessing is so accessible. It's as simple as saying, Lord, help me with this problem that I have right in front of me. And when we do that, we give the Lord space to work in our situation and bless us in greater ways than we could have ever imagined. Well, as you've gone through these episodes, Jesmyn, I've um, been thinking about Ephesians 1. We, many of us memorized it back in the summer, and maybe that would be a good note to close on, where uh, Paul blesses God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He did it by his grace, and the greatest blessing of all, is his presence, his Holy Spirit in us, making Christ known to us and drawing us to the Father. So thank you, Jesuin, for spending this time with us. And listeners, may the Lord bless you. We look forward to seeing you again next week as we have another episode uh, related to the Christmas season about the coming of our Lord into this world. The Lord bless you all.